This is Latinas Who Adventure Podcast. I'm Heather. I'm Marcella. And we're here to bring you fresh and diverse perspectives on navigating the outdoors. Feminine hygiene, periods, and sex in the outdoors are still taboos. I can't even say it straight. Like, that's how it is. (laughs) Especially in Latino cultures, these topics are really talked about growing up. Or just the bare minimum is covered. Add to that the fact that many of us didn't even grow up hiking, camping, or backpacking. Therefore, we had to figure out that a lot of the do's and don'ts of staying clean and understanding of bodies as we go. We want to normalize talking about feminine health on the trail. So today we've invited a special guest and friend of ours who's both an expert and a passionate advocate, Bukat Tinoko. Bukat is a certified family nurse practitioner and a women's hormone health coach for Fifth Phase. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, Becca. <laughs> also a mom of two to so have a son and a daughter. And, um, and yeah, so I'm navigating that cycle, menstrual cycle with my, my daughter at this point. So definitely working on it. <laughs> also, people are really interested, want to learn more, please follow Bouquet on our Instagram page. It can be found on our podcast website, or you can just search the fifth phase, which is the fifth and phase is uh, F-A-Z-E. And you should find that on Instagram, all of her content. It's so valuable. So thank you so much for being you and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So we have divided this episode into three areas, personal hygiene, periods, of course. And if we have time, we want to talk a bit about sex in the outdoors too, which is the most taboo thing, right? Yes. Okay. So I guess we can go on to question number one for personal hygiene. Okay. This was actually a pretty popular question um, because like you're out there for so long, especially for backpacking. So like for underwear on the trail, can you go commando or, or no? Is that possible? No. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you want to, I think it's so important for women to have, uh, to allow air to circulate through that area because it prevents, you know, yeast infections and candida buildup. So definitely can go commando. Um, if not probably cotton underwear is going to be the best, something that absorbs, um, fluids and absorbs sweat. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, commando is fine. I don't think I would do that quite yet, but, um, um, I, probably if I became a pro like you, Heather, <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a concern because like, um, I, I found out someone's like super clean and they like take, like, I think they use like five, four or five underwears a day. And I'm like, man, you don't want to be backpacking. Like, what do you, what you do? And that's what I was wondering. And she thought I was crazy. Cause like, you know, like, cause I, um, I was crazy. Cause there's days that you do, you cannot go into town and wash your underwear for like five days or a week. So you have, so that was the thing. So it was like, how much underwear can you pack? You can't pack 20 underwears when you're backpacking, you know, but still like, so that was a, a good question. So it's good to know. I know people do offer that. Cause she's like, I might as well just go, go commando. I'm like, what's safer? You know, that was the thing I had. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not the best option if you're on your period. Oh yeah. Probably not to go commando, even if you wear like a cup, but um, but if you're not absolutely, why not? And definitely take extra pairs to, um, refresh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, on the topic too, of being on your period and, and being out there, of course, staying clean is like such a big topic around that. Cause not only are you bleeding, you're also sweating and, you know, wherever it is that you are, maybe you get sand or dirt and who knows. So what are maybe some easy ways to kind of stay fresh? Do you recommend soaps? Do you recommend just water? Yeah. Okay, totally. So if you are on your cycle, I guess if you're on it or not, um, the best thing is they have these wipes that are hypoallergenic. You could even get baby wipes, but they're hypoallergenic, no scents, no fragrances, because that could cause an allergic reaction. You definitely don't want to have that when you're out camping. So some sensitive baby wipes or feminine wipes, but make sure that there's no scent or fragrance in it. So that's probably the best. 
um, just to refresh and wipe. And when, if you're on your cycle and you're using tampons or pads, it's probably really good to switch them out more often than you would if you were at home, just because of the sweat and, and different fluids going on down there. If you have the cup, probably not as much of an issue because it collects it, but yeah, so this the scent-free uh, hypoallergenic wipes would be great for refreshing. Um, and washing, you said with soaps, definitely do not wash with soap. It changes the pH balance down there and it could cause yeast infections. So just water is fine or those fragrance-free wipes. Okay, so just to clarify, because actually I'm glad Marcella asked this question because um, I was on a backpacking trip and you know, I was, when I go to the restaurant, I'm just like, I just pop a squat and shake. And then I'm like thinking like, do I need a wipe? You know? So is it, you, you would suggest at least it's important to at least wipe, like maybe like, would you, would you recommend like once a day or something? Cause there's like, there's no toilet paper, but would you recommend that? Or. I think you could drip dry. Like you said, yeah, drip dry. <laughs> <laughs> you can drip dry, but again, remember, like, you don't want to keep it too moist down there. Your natural moisture is fine, but um, you don't want it to stay too wet down there. So as long as it's not too wet, because that can accumulate, like I said, yeast and other stuff. So. Okay. So just using your best judgment. So like, that's, that's what I thought too. Cause like, I knew that when you do pee, it's like, it's um, sterile. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's sterile. So that's why I wasn't so concerned, but my body was telling me something. I was like, maybe I should wipe. And I felt it, but I just still, I just, I'm sure that other people are thinking the same thing and just people wondering the same questions. I'm glad that you're there to confirm it. Like, I was like, good. I was like, I'm so glad I listened to my body. No, and you're right. Urine is supposed to be stale for the most part, unless you have a urinary tract infection. Oh, okay. When you have that, it's not because it's, there's infection in the bladder, but, but as far as it hanging out down there, it's pretty cleansing. Urine is pretty cleansing. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Following your judgments, the best. Okay. Awesome. Makes me feel good inside. Sometimes you don't forget until you're out there. You're like, Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So I also, um, I've actually stopped using soaps altogether after one time that you're talking, you're just saying like, really just warm water is enough. And so when you're out hiking, I guess, I just want to remind everyone and you're, you probably agree with this to at least use filtered water, right? You just, you don't want to use any water to cleanse yourself either. Right. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to go in there and kind of clean yourself, you don't want to use lake or river water, probably filtered water probably would be the best. Now, unless you ladies might know better than me, I think if there's water running like in rocks, that's a little cleaner, right? Because it kind of cleanses it, I believe. So that might be better option. But if you have filtered water, that'd be the best way to go. Yeah, there, there can be some pretty nasty stuff like in water, including algae and not just bacteria. <laughs> so um, it, it's good to keep that in mind. I bring this up, especially because I was listening to some episode about a podcast that also talks about sex in the outdoors. And they're just saying like, oh, it's totally fine. Just like go clean yourself, whatever in the river. And as long as you dry yourself, it's okay. But I was wondering if there's like more to that. No. Yes. Yeah, so sexual activity it's, I mean, it's great when you want to do it, you want to do it right. And I am one to want to try new different places as well. So, um, definitely I recommend 100% after you finish that you must urinate. So I always tell women, this is if you're hiking or not. Um, but especially if you're out in the woods, drink some water beforehand, make sure you're really hydrated. So you have the urge to pee afterwards, because this will prevent urinary tract infection from like taking hold. And you definitely don't want to get that while you're on a trip. Trust me. Uh, You won't have antibiotics ready to go. So you want to urinate and you can definitely jump in the lake to kind of wash your body off, but like that deep cleansing inside, or like, if you want to wash yourself inside, it's probably best to use the filtered water. So yes. Yeah. And I've heard of people using squirt bottles. Um, they, I guess they just bring like bottled water to like squirt after just general like peeing or if they have their periods. And I'm sure like you're saying, it would also be helpful, you know, after sex because it's also just targeted like that. So <laughs> absolutely. And as you just said that, you know, we could just urinate, which is like, you know, kind of sterile, which is like, which I've been told by a doctor, like that's, uh, that makes all makes a lot more sense. Cause someone else said, told me, just make sure you just get a water bottle and like squeeze it, clean yourself. I'm like, 
generally nothing competes with, you know, peeing afterwards. <laughs> peeing is better because, and I'll get a little scientific here. So we have your urinary pathway is very close to your bottom. So your, your anus, right. And so when there's penetration going on, it can move E. coli, which is the number one culprit of UTIs 98% of the time. It can move that into your urinary pathway, therefore causing bacteria to start accumulating. But if you urinate and like the doctor told you he or she's absolutely right, it'll flush it out and kind of like push it back out and prevent that bacteria from clinging to your urinary wall and then wreaking havoc. So, um, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, but with the squirt bottle, don't ever put it up there and squirt up like douching or anything. That's not cool. So, um, just if you spray kind of down, so it flows down and out, not up in and <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. Cause like, it's just so strange when people just tell you things and it's just like, what do you mean by that? Like, and is that what you do? Is that like, what do you, I mean, you want to ask more than it's like more awkward. It's like, who told you this, you know, <laughs> like, don't you? So it's just, it's just funny how we hear different things. That's why I'm so glad you're here to clarify that. And with science, because this is everything I wish I could have known much earlier, just even just before me getting out there <laughs> because like that stuff, like even like just, you know, peeing after sex, I wish I would have known that I had it at UTIs and I had no idea why. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, same. UTIs are no fun. I've also, of course, received the, the after sex advice, um, but it's also just really good to know like why that can happen um, when you don't properly like clean yourself or take some measures to do that. Um, yeah, I, I love how we're already getting into some of the other topics and just kind of going back and forth. So to go more into just periods in general, a lot of people who menstruate, we tend to plan our trips around our cycles. Often, I've done it myself, like we try to avoid traveling to some place, especially if it's remote, if I know that I'm going to be on, on my period. Um, so it's like almost a source of stress. And I don't know, I think there's some myths too that we're about to go into in a moment. So to debunk a myth, perhaps we'll see. One question we had for you was, does your menstrual blood attract wildlife? Can it? This is something that some people have been concerned about with like bear attacks, for example. It's so funny you mentioned bear attacks because this question kind of excited me. So I had to look it up as well. And um, apparently there's a myth about women and men going camping and there's people that got attacked. And the one person that got attacked was a woman and she just so happened to be on her period. But it is indeed a myth though. It seems like it's been debunked because the other bear attacks that have happened, it, it was women that weren't on their period. So I don't necessarily think it's the blood, but so menstrual blood is not dirty. That's another fact. People think it's dirty blood, but it's not. So would it attract maybe if it's sitting on a pad for a long time and it's kind of got air and oxidized and all that stuff, possibly. So what would I recommend? Probably tampons, organic, try to stick with organic. You don't want to put like chlorine up there. Um, so organic and maybe like a diva cup as well, something that contains it. And then definitely put the tampon in a double bag and throw it out somewhere where you're not going to be sleeping that night. <laughs> Yeah. And at least I know for just hygiene products in general, when I've been camping and there, there have been these bear boxes that you can just like lock your stuff into so that bears can't get in or other critters for that matter. And I want to remind our listeners that we do have an episode on reducing your impact on the trail, which was released in season one, where we really cover some of the questions today at length. But um, so I'm glad that you are able to kind of debunk these myths because I think in general, yeah, when we think of blood, it's just like, oh, that's gross and dirty. And really it gets contaminated outside of the body. Plus our bodies in general, and especially the vagina, right, has a lot of bacteria that naturally occur there, right? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And there's this dance of keeping this balance. That's why we say don't use soap, don't use fragrances, because it can throw off that balance and allow for bad bacteria or yeast or infections to happen. So definitely allowing your vagina to clean itself because it's a self-cleaning thing. And then if you ever feel like you just need to be refreshed, then just plain warm water, cold water will do. So it's all great to know. And I wish someone could have mentioned that way that your blood is clean because that way when I first looked at it, you know, I used to freak out, but now even you know, backpacking and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, a bear's going to come find me now. Cause that was a question I always thought. And I always freak out. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, you know, bear right now, make sure it's far away. And, but I always make sure when I did that, um, I would, you know, when I use the restroom, dump it out, I would do it like maybe a mile before we're camping. Cause you know, when you're going to go camp, you know, cause like I go backpacking a longer trip. So there's it just happens. Actually, now I don't even care about backpacking on period. I don't really don't care anymore. I'll go whenever I want to go. <laughs> but uh, when we do, I just like kind of come up like at a half mile, a mile. I would always make sure to dump it out because I, I just, as soon as it happens, I, I'm not going to freak out because like, oh, this is clean. This is just clean and just dumping out. So I'm glad I have now a positive association. I'm not with that fear, but still, but still just being a little bit cautious. I'm still going practice, you know, doing that before I backpack and camp. So it's good to know. I'm, and I'm, now it's, it's, it's a good feeling. I want to look at it, but like, Oh, ew, it's just dirty. So. Yes. And your period of blood can tell you a lot. Um, actually it's quite fascinating how much it's like a report card every month and tells you how, how your body's doing, how your hormones are doing you can learn so much by just looking at your blood. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Honestly. I've heard that in terms of digestion and what kind of your poop can tell you about how your overall health is, but I hadn't thought of that in terms of menstrual blood too. I've kind of recently realized that a lot of it is also just kind of uh, uterine lining, right? That is coming out. So it's not like we have an active wound in us once a month. That's right. So the biggest thing too is that um, we talk about being clean. So the hardest part is when you're out there and you don't have like a sink, what would be a good way to clean your hands? Because for me, when I have the cup, I, you know, you do the tampon too, to pull it out. Like, what's the best way to clean your hands before, um, you know, afterwards? And how do you, what can you use to clean it? Because you're limited with that. And how often you should clean it, like your cup? Yeah. If you're using a cup, I think you, I think those can last a whole day, like 12 to 24 hours, but you definitely want to clean, you know, I don't know anybody who can like remove a tampon or pad or, or, or a cup without getting some blood on their fingers. It's just, it happens. <laughs> so if there's like a river nearby or like a waterfall, definitely take that to your advantage or possibly plan to remove it around closer to where water is, um, or like earlier, a squirt bottle or like extra bottle of water just for quick rinse um, or sanitizer, hand sanitizer works as well. If that's something that you're interested in using, um, there's natural products out there too, like natural hand sanitizers. I know I saw in sprouts like lavender based, those will be fine as well. Again, it's not something dirty, period blood is not dirty. So just to maybe get some of the blood off of your hands and that's it. But like this thorough washing is not necessary, especially if you're outside, you're going to be touching so many things anyways. So just a quick wash or, or sanitize should be, should suffice. So you can actually like clean um, so your, your cup with like sanitizer. Oh no, no, no. Hands. I'm sorry. No, so don't clean your cup with sanitizer. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> That's your hands. Okay. So we can show you. That's how you clean your hands. Okay. I was wondering. No. So your cup, you definitely want to use filtered water if you're out because you don't want to just, you don't want to use river water. You don't want to bring any kind of wildlife or bacteria into your private area. So definitely filtered water would probably be the best. Um, I know you said there are some places they don't have, obviously some places have spots where you can stop and there's like bathrooms or something, but most places, and I know what y'all do, y'all are like out in the wild. So probably a bottle of water and clean it off with that. Definitely. Sorry for the confusion. So I was like, Oh, interesting. And then I was like, no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you clarified because I would hate for people to think to use hand sanitizer. No, don't do that. That would burn you. <laughs> so, okay. So, so the first part was washing your hands, sanitizer, like all that, or you can do the lavender, the all natural ones. And then for washing it, you use just a filtered water. That's good to know. 
and kind of alluded to what Marcella was kind of talking about regarding filtered waters. Yeah, but on cleaning too, because I've recently switched over to period panties um, and I've seen how some people use squirt bottles uh, outdoors as well to just like clean those off because that's kind of the one thing that I've been told you need to be concerned about is to like they absorb a lot um, and I'm pretty happy with with period panties so far. But I guess, yeah, in general, it seems like even in the outdoors, the best thing to do still for the panties is to just use that water. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. And I'm a fan of period panties. I just got some and started using it, but organic tampons are a go-to for me as well. And then the cup, I mean, I, I use them all, but tampons, I think is the one I go to the most. Definitely organic because I don't want to put any chemicals in there. Makes sense. Yeah, I was honestly impressed because I was a bit concerned that, for example, back to this kind of attracting wildlife question, that they would smell really bad or anything like that. But I, I think that they work pretty well. So, but one thing that we haven't really touched on is actually how you dispose of this blood, right? I think that goes back a bit to the leave no trace question. Definitely, like um, I think Heather was saying dig a hole and put it in there, cover it up and make sure you're not like sleeping too close to where you (laughs) disposed of your blood. (laughs) Yeah. I think there might also be a concern with like leaving it in the water or like in running water. Right. Okay. The biggest thing is that I would suggest is that if you do dig it, treat it like you do when you're like, you know, pooping and cause cause with that, you got to do it. (laughs) Um, you, you're required to do it like a certain amount of feet from water. I think it's like a 200 feet from water. You gotta dig it like four inches or six inches deep. I guess I would just fo- I would follow the same protocol. Right. Um, so that's what I would recommend doing for just follow what you do. And if you just like, if you have to take a, sh- a shit, you know, <laughs> just to treat it the same way. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. And that's with the cup. Um, I was talking about just to clarify. <laughs> But, um, but yes, the other one would be just tampons. Uh, I guess you just would have to, because we're clarifying, just carry it out. You have no choice. Yeah. You know, that's why I treat it like you do, like you're, you know, like how you going poop or taking a shit. You got to pack out your toilet paper. It's the same thing. Yeah. Maybe put it in like a Ziploc bag or old grocery store bags, double bag it and take it along. <laughs> I guess the double bag would be better for the to smell. I guess that's the more of the concern. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I'm another question. So Marcella kind of touched upon it, but I still wanted your opinion. So it's like, how do you plan camping, hiking around your period? I know Marcella said sometimes um, you might plan around it, but like, is there apps that you recommend for people to use if it's a concern and does it really matter? Yes. So this is probably my favorite question <laughs> because I absolutely love the cycle and planning like my life around my cycle. It's basically what I do all the time. So yes. So there's four phases to your menstrual cycle, but to make it easy, I'm going to talk about two. So there's your follicular phase and then there's your luteal phase. Your luteal phase consists of the week and a half before your period and your actual period and your follicular phase It's right after your period and it goes up to ovulation. Okay. This is so important because during your follicular phase, women have a rise in estrogen and testosterone. We have so much energy. We're light on our feet. So for those Latinas out there that are just starting to think about hiking and wanting to go out your follicular phase is the best time to try that because you'll be more open to trying new things and seeing new things and possibly something's not going okay. And it's not going to freak you out. Because in your luteal phase, you're much more emotional, not as energetic, um, can be tired and moody, and it probably would not be the best time to try something new outdoors. However, I know Marcel and Heather, you ladies love this. So because you love it, it probably doesn't matter where you're at in your cycle. When you're really passionate about something, it's just second nature for you. So, but for those people that are going out for the first time and want to try it out for the first time, I definitely recommend going in your follicular phase. The app that I use, it's called Flow. 
and you put in your first day of your period and it kind of maps it out for you. I know some women are irregular, but you'd be surprised if you learn the phases of your cycle and live. And I talk about this on my Instagram all the time, and and hopefully we'll have a program coming out soon. That's self-paced for people, for women to follow. Um, but if you live in sync with your cycle, you'd be surprised some women actually their cycle becomes more regular. And then they actually know when they're ovulating, they can feel it because they're so aware and in tune with their bodies. So with that being said, follicular phase is probably the best phase to go hiking. Um, you're not on your period. You've got lots of energy. And then, you know, if you want to try to be frisky outdoors, that's going to be the perfect time as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And just to repeat, you said the follicular phase is the phase right after your period. So your energy is kind of going back up. Um, Because I do often feel I'm in my luteal phase right now. And so I really do feel more tired. And also, of course, that like PMS emotional part really is annoying. But um, I do notice that when I go outdoors, I need more breaks or I need to drink more water or I need to eat more, or I get hungry faster. So if I do go, um, especially on a longer trip, I think I haven't always taken that into account, but I think what you're saying is we really should. Absolutely. And in your luteal phase, actually, a lot of women get discouraged because they feel like in their follicular phase, they have all this energy and you're not actually hungry because your metabolism's actually slowed down because it's not preparing for shedding that lining. In your luteal phase, your metabolism is actually faster, believe it or not. That's why we get hungrier. That's why we crave things because we're, we're burning 300 to 500 more calories a day. Wow. Okay. So with that being said, eat, enjoy your food, eat, and don't feel guilty about it because when the follicular phase comes, you are going to be able to restrict And I'm not saying you should restrict, but you're naturally going to want to, because you're not going to be as hungry once you really listen to your body. So if you're hiking during your luteal phase. It's really important to have snacks, filling snacks, maybe some fruit or things that are not easily perishable. So maybe not fruit, maybe dried fruit and nuts um, and seeds. That'll keep you full. It's got those good, healthy fats in there. And the dried fruit has some of those simple carbs and carbohydrates and fiber. So it'll keep you full. Um, So definitely feed yourself well if you're in your luteal phase on a hike or camping trip. Wow. Like now you made me like double think about when I'm going to go backpacking trips. Cause now I'm realizing too, I'm in my luteal phase. Cause I just feel like, man, I feel so bloated. I'm just like, I just look so bloated right now. And I haven't, I didn't want to move the past. I've been, I pushed myself to work out today. So now I'm feeling it. So now I'm thinking, well, maybe like I will be take a more of an effort. I'm going to use the app below and be more conscientious about it because I think it just make everything a lot better. Like why, why not? If I can somehow plan around it, I think it'd be good. Now it makes me think too. I mean, now I'm like got my mind thinking like, cause I want to plan like group hikes. If I do it with women, maybe I should ask them like, Hey, like I can maybe, what if I find a time between everyone? I can, you can all go to do a literal phase so everyone can have a wonderful time. <laughs> I don't know. It's TMI, but I, I'm just curious. I, I, I mean, no, I love it. It's not TMI. It's actually, we have to talk about this. Oh, we have to talk about this. Women need to know that it's okay to talk about, you know, if you feel like shit in your luteal phase, talk about it, dance it out, embody those emotions, feel it because you know what, it's going to be over soon. And you're going to be back in your follicular phase. I think it's such a great idea. If you have group hikes to ask women, where are you in your cycle? How far away is your period? And if they're like, Oh, I just finished my period. That's perfect. Those are the women you want to take with you, especially if they're new at hiking, they're going to enjoy it a lot more in their follicular phase. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) It'll give them a good impression if they go in their follicular phase that way in the future, if they really want to go in their luteal phase, they they already know that it it was so awesome. They have that good memory. (laughs) Yeah, I have not. Yeah, I've not thought of that. And I think especially kind of going back to the Latina aspect a bit, like, because it is such a taboo, right? Like my grandparents certainly didn't want to talk about this. They're like the, the condition she's in and like that kind of language um, that, that they use. It's so interesting. I mean, we're here to normalize the conversation, but clearly we still struggle a bit too, to speak completely freely about this all the time. And 
ask others to do so as well. So I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was really interesting. Um, I wanted to go back to food though as well, because you talk on your Instagram a lot about protein and how protein is really important in different phases of your cycle. Absolutely. So protein is probably the easiest because I don't like to tell women to follow a special diet. Although if they have one, that's really good for them, stick to it. And if you want to start a new diet or a new lifestyle, the best phase again is in your follicular phase to start those new things. With that being said, every diet, especially women that are moving and working out, uh, lifting weights, strength training, any kind of workout, 0.8 times your weight in pounds. And I'm not a fan of weighing myself. I only weigh it to know my protein amount and that's it because I go by how I feel. But 0.8 times how much you weigh in pounds, that's going to give you how much protein you need a day. And it's a lot. It's a lot because you need it. And if you prioritize the protein first, everything else will trickle and fall into place. You'll see you're not overeating as much because you've given your body what it needs, the building blocks, protein, the building blocks of growth and cellular growth and production. So um, when you satisfy that amount of protein daily, then you can add your veggies and fruits and, and your sweets and whatnot. And you won't find yourself overeating because you've satisfied your body. So yes, prioritizing protein. I always talk about that because it definitely is key. It keeps you full longer too. So if you're going on hikes, make sure you have plenty of protein. And nuts are pretty protein rich, right? Which is something that I, I like about them as well. Nuts and seeds too. But I, I wanted to clarify. So the amount of protein in terms of our pounds is in grams. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So 0.8 times your weight is going to be how many grams of protein. Most women will fall under like 115 to 130 grams of protein a day. Yes. Grams. And if you, I'm not a fan of like using my fitness pal or app, but until you can become more of an intuitive eater, which after a few months you will, um, you can use my fitness pal or, or what have you to kind of measure your meat or your vegetable protein or, or plant protein rather to get yourself an idea. But once you live this lifestyle for a few months, it becomes this natural thing. You kind of already know how much protein you need and you just eat intuitively. I second that because I, <laughs> because I actually did the whole calorie protein counter. And then after doing that, it like, now I just know, but I still measure out my meat. I have a heavy Mexican hand. Like I pull, when I cook, I can cook for eight people for two people. So I'm just want to like pour everything. I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> so I have to measure things out to know I'm getting the correct amount, just enough and not too much, not too little. Cause sometimes my portions are never correct. By now I know, okay, Heather, you know, I need for but based on how I work out for lunches, maybe 80 grams of chicken, you know, and for dinner, if I'm doing two meals of chicken, I might need 125 grams, you know, and no more than 200 grams of protein. I don't need any more than that, you know, but now I know like now based on everything, how I eat, it's just styled in. So it's so much nicer once you figure it out. Cause like now I can intuitively eat. Yeah, I understand my, I'm actually Turkish, but my husband is Mexicano. So I speak Spanish because of him and I know how to cook all those Mexican meals. And I'm the same way. It's like, you can't just make one plate of Mexican food. Like it's like this huge guisado. It's, it's for two days. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, that's the problem too, because for me, like, so what if I cook everything? And then what if I just eat a little bit? I just cook what I need for that day, max two days. So I, I get enough because I'm going to cook it. But what if I don't eat it all? I just eat a small sliver of it. So it's just like, this is what I eat. You eat half of it, Heather. And that's what you need is what you get. <laughs> you never win, but it's okay. I just, I just accepted it. It's the way of life. <laughs> yes. I was going to add, there's protein waters. I believe Costco has it. This would be great for hiking. Um, they add like some, I think it's whey protein, but there's water with added 20 grams of protein. So it keeps you full because it's protein. Those are quick ways to add protein in for those people that can't eat too much like chicken or meat or salmon. And they're like, okay, I'm proteined out. Other ways I sneak it in is through collagen powder. I put that in the coffee because I have coffee in my follicular phase. I stay away from it in my luteal phase. And there's a reason for that, but um, you can add collagen powder to things and um, to foods and it adds that extra protein. So on the topic of drinking certain things during different phases, you know, what can you drink or eat to help relieve period cramps? 
because again, if you're planning on going on this longer camping trip or backpacking trip, you want to have everything you need with you. Um, so do you have any like go-tos for, for cramping? Yes, absolutely. So on my Instagram page, I recycle this one post all the time because it's so important. There's three teas, actually there's four now, but three main teas that I like to drink and I drink it every single day. And you can drink these cold too. So if you want to take it on your hiking trip, backpacking trip, camping trip, that's totally fine. You can make a whole thermos of it or or those containers that keep things cold and take it with you. So it's raspberry leaf tea, nettle tea, chamomile, especially for those women with inflammatory situations like endometriosis or adenomyosis, and then oat straw. But if you have to choose, because it is a lot of teas and I like loose leaf and to like brew it and let it steep. It's like a ritual of mine, (laughs) but uh, my womb, my womb ritual. But um, if you have to choose two, I'd say raspberry and nettle. Definitely. Every day I drink it once a day. And then in my luteal phase, I'll have it twice a day. And what it does is raspberry leaf tea actually tones the uterus. And during my woman's health rotation in nurse practitioner school, I followed a midwife and she was actually recommending women, even in their third trimester, um, to start taking raspberry leaf tea because it tones the uterus. Now for those women listening, absolutely ask your provider before trying any kind of supplementation, because these are herbal teas. But in my experience, what I saw, she was actually recommending it. So I was like, wow, this is so cool. Cause I drink that, you know, for myself, I didn't realize during, you know, pregnancy. Um, so it raspberry leaf tones, the uterus and nettle is like a natural painkiller. So if you already prepare your body in your follicular phase, that phase after your period before ovulation, you can actually kind of prime your uterus to like, once the period starts to not have pain. So for me, it's worked wonders. I have painless periods. It's not the only thing, of course, in my program, I talk about all the things, including mental health that kind of gets you ready for those painless periods, but that is a good start. So raspberry leaf, nettle, chamomile, oat straw, but raspberry leaf and nettle for sure every day. Awesome. Thank you so much. And is there something that you absolutely recommend not eating or drinking? Yes. So when you follow that app, I like the flow app because it kind of does tell you what phase you're in, but definitely knowing your phases and living by it's more important. Once like us, like you eat intuitively, you'll intuitively cycle as well. So in your luteal phase, stay away from alcohol. Your body's not going to metabolize it as well. Stay away from too many sweets, like simple sugars, cakes, and cookies. It's really counterproductive to what your body needs to be going. It's already kind of inflamed and preparing for this shedding of the lining and sweets just like makes it inflamed even more. So stay away from that. And then coffee. So really in, in this perfect menstrual cycle world, we shouldn't drink coffee. It's really not good for our hormones. However, I did the research in nurse practitioner school, I had access to all of these databases and I'm like, okay, let's really see like, what's really bad about coffee. So sometimes you like to justify, right? You like to justify why you want to drink something. So I'm like, okay, when's the best time to have coffee? And I did the research and it's in your follicular phase because it actually helps with Uh, when you're working out, it helps with energy and your body's already energized. So it just helps with that in your luteal phase. It's not as good because your body actually doesn't want to be go, go, go. It wants you to listen to it and relax and rest. So I don't lift as heavy on luteal phase uh, days. I do more things like Pilates or yoga or long walks and stretching. Trust me, you're not going to lose all that muscle, that precious muscle you've gained by just taking like three or four days or a week off. So definitely honor your phases. Um, those are the only, those are the top things I can think of at this time. I mean, I could go on and on, but we'd be here for hours. <laughs> well, this is all good information. Um, so it's just, is it just coffee in general? Is it just caffeine? Can I still have green tea or just like, no. Yeah. So it's supposed to be no caffeine, but if you have to have caffeine in your luteal phase, green tea is better. Definitely better. Yes. So if you want to do coffee in your follicular phase and switch to green tea in your luteal phase, that's fine. And for those women that can do without coffee, more power to you. (laughs) It's even better. It's just a ritual for me in my follicular phase. Also decaf coffee. You could try that in your luteal phase. If you definitely have to have that taste, um, and matcha, matcha lattes, like homemade matcha lattes are good too. I need to try that because I, 
don't drink coffee at all, but I am a very heavy like black tea drinker. And so <laughs> I've been trying to kind of replace some of that tea and I have reduced my caffeine consumption even with black tea to green tea or even just herbal teas as well. And I'm noticing that, yeah, you don't need quite that much caffeine all the time. So I, I have to look out for it now and see if it lines up with my follicular phase, or luteal phase, but maybe I should cut down the caffeine a bit more right now. Yes. And telling your partner too about it helps. I know I did this for a little while and didn't tell my husband about it because I didn't want to say anything. And he actually told me, he's like, you're like, okay, throughout your period, <laughs> what's going on? Because I used to have like mood swings and I just felt like crap. And a lot of it was due to, because I would binge eat in my luteal phase because I was eating a thousand calories in my follicular phase. And obviously I was able to do that because you're not hungry, but then luteal phase would come and I'd eat like crazy. And then I feel bad about myself and then take it out on my partner. And when I finally got that under control because of knowledge, it's just education. Once you know what's going on with your body, you're like, oh, okay, makes sense now. So then after I told him, hey, this is what I'm doing. And he actually knows when I'm in my luteal phase and he knows to help out more around the house. I mean, this stuff is just, it really is game changing. So I'm just now realizing more and more. This is so valuable information that I should track my period. I'm like, this is the week that Steven's been cooking for me. So I'm just like, I don't know anything. So I feel like everything's making me bloated. It's making me feel better. I'm like, cause I'm, I'm eating sweets and I'm, I'm drinking the coffee and trying to get caffeine. So I'm like doing everything wrong. That's like, why am I just feeling off? But now I know why. So um, now just everything's kind of clicking. I'm getting more, more mindful with that and incorporating to the outdoors. It's something that I love to do. Why not just make it better? Yes. And they can enhance the experience. This is so, so helpful. Oh my goodness. And this is the second time we're talking about this. I'm like still taking notes. I can always take notes from you, Phuket. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. No, I love it. Yeah. So maybe since you talked about partners and we already talked a bit about sex early on, but again, I think just to kind of repeat, right? Like people will do it outdoors. Like you're saying, right. Especially if you're adventuring with your significant other, um, we're humans, right? We're, we're with them out there for a reason, but we, this is really something that we don't hear a whole lot of people talking about. So, um, while we have you here, we think it's just a great part of being prepared, but, you know, we talked a bit about the cleanliness. Are there any kinds of, I don't know, specific situations or times or, um, phases even where it makes more sense to try these things or Yes, absolutely. So if you are, if you're not on any kind of birth control, I will say the birth control pill prevents ovulation from happening. So it's kind of hard to really be in sync with your cycle. If you're on birth control, the IUD doesn't do as much. It doesn't always prevent ovulation. So you can be in sync a little bit more. Obviously the best way is not to be on anything, right? Then you can really feel but I know that some women, it's hard. So you really have to track and know what's going on. So if you're trying to prevent pregnancy, you definitely want to do tracking and it goes a little deeper, your body temperature and cervical mucus. But the best time for it is in your follicular phase because you have energy, you're more open to trying new things. You're less critical. I know like it's natural for us to credit, you know, judge ourselves. I, I try to not do it all the time, but I don't judge myself as much in my follicular phase. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It'll all work out, you know, and so that's the best time to try that um, on a trip with your partner in your follicular phase. So that's right after your cycle. So like the last day of your period up until right before ovulation. Um, If you're trying to prevent pregnancy, though, definitely try barrier method or know where you're at. Um, If that's not a concern, then follicular phase all the way. I mean, you can do it in your luteal phase too. But for people that are just starting to track their cycle and really trying to live in sync with it, I recommend for like the first six months until you're really in tune, definitely try those new things in the follicular phase. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because one thing that I have noticed, of course, in the past is, um, and I'm not currently on, on any birth control, especially hormonal. Um, and, and I do track my, my cycle with an app on my phone too, um, But I noticed just this kind of uptick also in like, ooh, suddenly, you know, the, as I was approaching, I guess that 
ovulation point, like my body was just like kind of asking for it more. I mean, I'm wondering if that's normal as well. Yes, indeed it is. <laughs> um, the female body is really phenomenal. Yeah. So that testosterone boost you get right before ovulation is what makes you get really excited and wanting to do it. And like, you really just, you want it. So I invite all the women that are listening and all the men that are listening, there's nothing and there's no shame in pleasing yourself. So if you're out on a hiking trip and you're with a bunch of friends, um, you don't have to like look for a partner. You can totally pleasure yourself. And I definitely recommend that <laughs> because believe it or not, there's healing properties to an orgasm. So especially when it's by yourself, because like you can just do it as many times as you want. <laughs> and, it's, and, and the female body really is made for that. Like the, the clitoris is actually the main purpose of it is pleasure. So pleasure yourself as much as you want in your follicular phase and leading up to ovulation. <laughs> so that's definitely something I've heard um, in terms of orgasms. And I think it's one of the questions we had was um, I heard somewhere that orgasms can help relieve cramping. And it sounds like what you're saying is exactly that, um, especially as you approach that period week ish. Yeah, definitely. So um, that's, that's very true. So sometimes in my luteal phase, towards the end of it, like right before I start, some women also feel like they, they get this urge to want to do it again, or sometimes, um, I mean, I'm not perfect. So when I do go out on vacation, and I don't take my magnesium and my supplements, and I don't eat as good, your body tells you in real time, hey, you know, you messed up this week. It's okay, but I'm going to give you some pain right there. You know, you fix it next month. So when you have that physical act or do it on your own, yes, the, the release of those, those emotions and those chemicals help the contraction and it allows the muscles to relax afterwards. Absolutely. It's healing. Like sex is healing, whether it's with yourself or with someone else. <laughs> Boy, and I feel like sex with yourself especially is like a whole other like separate taboo topic but yeah this is this has been super informative and learning about our own bodies I think is really important so you're really helping us with that I really appreciate it thank you so much because like this is a topic that I've never really felt like I could talk about or didn't want to or about too embarrassed. So it's nice to talk about this, be confident, like love our bodies and part of loving ourselves and bodies, be able to talk about it and share like, you know, I'm in my lineal phase, this is like this, but it's also it's okay to feel that way too, you know, giving myself grace and, but you know, knowing how I can treat myself better and knowing to take advantage of seizing the moment when I'm at a liquor phase. And now I know when I get these feelings, you know, just go with it. Um, and so it, it makes me happy also to, to share this other people that are actually with you who are so passionate about it. And it's so wonderful talking to you because it makes it so easy and makes it like easy to digest. And I never felt this comfortable talking about this topic, you know, with, like, with anyone else. So I'm like, it makes me just easier to, to kind of, to talk about it more with others. I really appreciate you Bukat, for coming here. Thank you. I mean, I am very passionate about this and I definitely know in the culture, the Latino culture, it's, it's really tough because nobody talks about it and it's like almost shameful and, and there's not enough communication and it creates this block, this disconnect. And some, some people can feel like they're doing something bad when they do that, you know, but it's farthest from the truth. There's a book I want to recommend. And I can only say this for those who identify as women, just because I'm a woman and I don't really know how men feel, but um, there's a book, it's called Pussy, a Reclamation by Regina Thomas Hauer, and it's mind blowing. So check out that book. It's definitely all about how to love yourself and how to like love your pussy. <laughs> so it's a great book. So you make this so easy to talk about, which is wonderful, but I want other people to know that this is our second time talking about it. I mean, we've sort of been practicing for this. So like being Latina, it's, it's really hard. Like I, me sounding like so 
comfortable and it, I was not here a few months ago. So I just wanted to make that clear. And anyone just feels kind of like weird right now or just like a little bit uncomfortable, it's okay because it is hard to just to get into it, even to listen to this. But hopefully Bouquet is making it much more easier. So I just want to clarify that. And it's not just something I'm just like, oh, I've always talked about this, but I just want to know how people know how I'm how I felt and how I got here. No. Yeah. Heather, actually, believe it or not, I just got into the like self-pleasing within like this year, like one year. So yeah, definitely. I'm glad you said that because for I'm 35. So for 33 and a half years of my life, I, that was like totally taboo as well. So definitely. Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. I think we can all honestly kind of identify with that. We speak from the standpoint of Latinas, but it's, I think, a pretty global issue. I I speak with women from many other countries or or backgrounds, and we all kind of just like still giggle when we hear certain words, right? When we say certain words, it's just like, it doesn't feel right, right? Um, So learning to do that, I think, um, it's just so helpful. So I just wanted to thank Phuket again for coming, for, for sharing all of your knowledge, your expertise, your passion. Thank you. Yes, I'm so thankful to have met both of you. And I I love all of your pictures, you and Marcella's page. I um, really enjoyed the pictures on your hiking trips and camping trips. And it's just beautiful. And my family and I just got into it. So we're going with a group of um, two other families and we find a place and we camp out and cook by the campfire and the kids play and we go hiking. And it was so fun. And we're actually planning a camping trip in October. And it's going to be in my follicular phase. So I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's just like so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So thanks everyone for tuning in. You can follow Phuket on the fifth phase. We'll make sure to put this on like on Podbean so you can be able to find her because she's an awesome, amazing resource. Yeah. I want to provide some free information and then hopefully have my program coming out soon. So yes. Yes, check that all out. Our program, Beauty Page, right now, her Instagram. She's a wonderful resource. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the wrap. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and sign up for our email newsletter to get all of the updates. Make sure to leave no trace behind and leave it better than you found it. And we're also still in a pandemic. Let's not forget that. Thanks, everyone.